Hello, you are listening to The Powerful Creator Show with your hosts, Joya Sosnowski and Celia Shawl. This week, we are discussing The Alchemist's Handbook. This is the first lesson in on the uh, introduction and chapter one. Feel free to join us on Monday evenings live on Zoom or on the Wisdom app. And you can join us at LessonsOfMastery.com for free on the Zoom link. Thank you so much. Enjoy the show. There we go. Hello, Celia. Hi, Joya. Hi, we, my name is Celia Shabo. And I am Joya Sosnowski. I am a sound healer and a quantum spirituality worthiness coach. That's beautiful. Yeah. What are you? I'm somebody who helps people build from ashes. Yeah, you do. Yeah. <laughs> we are working through this book together called The Alchemist's Handbook. And it's by John Randolph Price. And it's pretty phenomenal. So we're going to start at the beginning again. And we're going to read the introduction this evening. Maybe we can get through the introduction <laughs> because now we won't have to stop so much and go, whoa. So maybe we can get through the introduction and chapter one this evening. We shall see. But we're going to do this weekly on Monday evening. So for those of you who are new, hopping in here um, and learning about this, you can get the book and join us and join in the discussion because all great things are greater with discourse. Mm, so true. Discourse is where it's at. Absolutely. hundred percent. There are 14 chapters in the book. Oh, my favorite number. Oh, I love that. All right. So let's get into the introduction and I guess we could take turns reading. Do you want to read a couple of paragraphs and then I will read a paragraph and then we can discuss and, um, we can see if anybody here, if you guys want to be, uh, if you want to join in, then I can add you to the conversation if you would like to join in the conversation with us, which makes, again, discourse way more fun. So you're more than welcome uh, to come up on the stage and join us. So the introduction, most writers of spiritual books are continually meeting, seeking new ideas to express the eternal truths of being and to help their readers and themselves realize their innate divinity and achieve mastery over the world. In the process, parallels in new physics and ageless wisdom have been documented. Psychology and metaphysics have been interwoven. Jesus's teachings have been reinterpreted in line with new revelations. Philosophic mysteries have been brought into the light for greater understanding of those ancient treasures. Yet I have said to myself many times that there must still be exciting new ways to make practical applications of the old secret formulas, different courses of action to rapidly accelerate the realization of peace and plenty and dis dissolve the false belief that conflict and scarcity could possibly exist in a universe of love and infinite givingness. This silent decree was obviously picked up by my wife, Jan, who announced to me in the fall of 1998 that we should schedule a special intensive on the subject of alchemy. She said, the thought just came to me. That thought led to research on the principles of ancient science, particularly the classification called dynamic alchemy, which dealt with mental vibrations to create a perfect world and not the changing of lead to, into gold 
I soon realized that this method of fulfilling material needs and desires might not be readily accepted by those who did not believe in the material world, that the material world is in unity with the spiritual, or that God is fully present and active in the affairs of everyone living on the physical plane. But these are alchemical truths that God is omnipresent and fully manifest in both the invisible and visible worlds. Okay, so pausing here, I love when he calls dynamic alchemy is dealing with mental vibrations to create a perfect world. Mental vibrations. And so that just like brings up and forward for me that when I'm thinking negative thoughts, I'm creating negative alchemy in my life. Right, exactly. And it's creating negative thought forms, which we know through quantum physics are actual things that you're imprinting onto the field. So I love that he's talking about the mental vibrations um, to create the perfect world and aligning our thoughts. So this book is going to be really fun to go through. So again, for people just joining in, it's The Alchemist's Handbook by John Randolph Price. And um, we're going to be doing this whole book through here as a study and not only reading it, but also applying what he tells us to apply because it's through practice that we change things, not by just reading it and thinking about it. So (laughs) (laughs) I've tried that. Did you try that? I tried that lots of times. Yeah, I've tried that. Totally didn't get it. (laughs) Dynamic alchemy calls for us to fully understand cause and effect, mind and manifestation, energy and matter and to move from what may be considered passive spirituality to positive positive assertiveness in our rediscovery of the ideal life. How funny, we totally just said that. To continue, we studied ancient texts, the teachings of the secret societies of the Middle Ages and the references to mythology, planetary energies, and the mysteries of all ages. Dynamic alchemy acknowledges the inclusiveness of all symbolic philosophy. We found that this science is veiled in mystery and highly esoteric and must be properly interpreted for today's matter-of-fact world. For example, an alchemist might say, the eternal present impregnates the veiled virgin to unveil the mater. The dance of Shiva plants the seed of fulfillment. The mother births the objective reality. In decoding this message, we would see that the eternal present is another term for Saturn the energy of success and fulfillment. The veiled virgin is Isis, the energy of reunion and receptivity, also referred to as creative wisdom in my angel books. While the mater or matter is the energy of Isis and Venus, the power of abundance combined as the world mother. The dance of Shiva is another reference to Saturn. What this means is that as a loomed consciousness impresses the feminine principle within, The enhanced feeling nature becomes the birthing mechanism for form and experience in the outer world. So let's pause there because that's like a really deep conversation (laughs) and it's a lot to unpack. And last time when we read this little bit, we talked about and broke down what all of this meant. And I thought that you had some really great insights about um, the birthing mechanism and the feeling, the feeling nature becomes the birthing mechanism. That's right, because what we feel is if um, if I have no access to my feelings, then I can't um, I can't actually manifest what is true. Say more about that. 
Well, if I have, um, if I have a belief system or a paradigm that I subscribe to that isn't necessarily true at the soul level, then what is true for me at the soul level can't be manifested in in the world because the mind is in the way. Mm. Yeah. And so it begs the question to be asked is what I is what I think or what it is that I feel really true for me or are they my mother's beliefs or are they my father's beliefs and or am I living from a place of authenticity in in my true beingness yeah i love that this says that the illumined consciousness impresses the feminine principle within so i love it's talking about that the higher consciousness coming into this creative faculty that we have within us to birth our imaginings our higher imaginings of our consciousness into our reality on earth beautiful do you want to read the next beautiful you can read next yeah i will i'm happy to We also pursued metaphysical literature dealing with alchemical alchemy of mind. (laughs) Hi, Kim. Welcome to the conversation. (laughs) Including previous books I had written and combined with outer work with daily meditation for greater understanding of the process. Next, we applied the principles to make specific changes in our lives and fully satisfied with the value of of the teaching and the validity of the science, we announced an intensive sponsored by the Cordes Foundation to be held in the spring. On March 4th, 1999, 30 people from the US and abroad gathered at the Tapatio Springs Resort in Bourne, Texas to commence a three-day school on the science of alchemy, we studied, meditated, questioned, exchanged views, and as a group wove an eight, wove the ancient links of the alchemical chain into a mighty, powerful, which as you will see, brought forth extraordinary manifestations, some considered truly miraculous. This book is based on the principles taught at the school and with new material added to make it more comprehensive yet easy to understand work on the process of dynamic alchemy. Specific attention is placed on the material world as an extension of mind rather than an illusion, and a step-by-step procedure is given to bring into visibility the forms and experiences you choose for greater joy and fulfillment in life. To gain clarification, The position that this process takes in creating a new world dynamic alchemy strongly focuses on our personal identity as an expression of spirit and emphasizes the mind as a spiritual power, a creative force, not a mortal non-power. Regarding the latter part, if we think our mind as, if we think our mind as independent of God, we are enforcing reinforcing the belief in separation i think this blows my (laughs) mind (laughs) i think so 
too. Yeah. Well, first of all, I know I highlighted and I love the material world is an extension of mind rather than an illusion. Yeah. And a step-by-step procedure is given to bring into visibility the forms and experiences you choose for greater joy and fulfillment, and fulfillment in, in life. life. I underlined that too. Mm-hmm. I loved um, the part that really spoke to me is about um, in that next paragraph about personal identity as an expression of spirit. Yes. And how all parts of me are an expression of spirit, like just understanding that. And so no matter what I'm expressing, no matter what way I'm expressing, whether it's verbally or if I'm painting or if I'm writing, like it's all coming through me as God. What? Yes, I love that. I love it. I love it. Mind is a spiritual power and a creative force, not a mortal non-power. Mind is a spiritual power. And because there is only one mind and we are universal mind, mind, right? right? (laughs) All right. So beautiful. (sighs) To deny the mind's creative power can reduce a person to utter helplessness. As A Course in Miracles so beautifully states it, few appreciate the real power of the mind and no one remains fully aware of it all the time. The mind is very powerful and never loses its creative force. It is hard to recognize that thought and belief combine into a power surge that can literally move mountains. Kenneth Wapnick, a clinical psychologist who teaches on the course writes, the only true cause in this world is the mind and all aspects of the material world are the mind's effect. There can be no exceptions to this principle for the mind is the only creative agent. Agent is a key word here, meaning representative, a creative intermediary between the invisible and visible forces. <laughs> is this leaving God out of the equation? Certainly not. The activity of God is the manifesting energy that produces the effect according to what the mind chooses, decrees, and believes. I'm going to read that again because that's really powerful. Yep. The activity of God is the manifesting energy that produces the effect according to what the mind chooses, decrees, and believes. So the activity of God is a manifest, is the manifesting energy. That's right. It's the very energy that makes things happen. Unless you don't move. It's the Ruka force. (laughs) It's the Ruka force. So when our minds are identified with the divine thought system of our essential self, that which is manifest is love fulfilled on earth as it is in heaven. Oh, I love that sentence. Yeah. By recognizing the power of the mind and the unity of spirit and matter, dynamic alchemy progresses from spiritual mysticism to divine materialism, creative principle at work materializing in the world of form, which is, as I point out later, wholly sanctioned by the great power ordering all things and the great thought producing all things. It is a spiritual process for those who are ready to assume responsibility for their lives as active co-creators. When we recognize our true identity and focus our minds in and as spirit, we realize that abundance and scarcity, success and failure, health and sickness, harmony and conflict cannot coexist. We change our minds, choose the highest in life and let the other fade into the nothingness from which it came. And that which is manifest in the phenomenal world comes forth as an expression of divine grace, the infinite givingness of God. 
So for those of you just joining, we are reading and going through The Alchemist's Handbook by John Randolph Price, and we are only in the introduction, if you can believe that. <laughs> Did you want to add anything to what we just read, Celia? Um, what I'd like to say is that that last sentence, we change our minds, choose the highest in life, and let the other fade into the nothingness from which it came. And that which is manifest in the phenomenal world comes forth as an expression of divine grace, the infinite givingness of God blows my whole mind. Hmm. How so? In, in understanding that it's all God, no matter what it is. Right. Yes. And, and it also points to, I get to choose how I want it, what I want it to feel like, what I want it to look like, what I want it mm. to be. I've really noticed in doing these kinds of studies, and particularly John Randolph Price's work, that um, this feeling, and I shared it with you last time, is this feeling of having this tremendous access to this source and this force of power mm -hmm to create and manifest literally anything if we can conceive it and believe it like it said before and napoleon hill has said that that he has right that, <laughs> in, that instead of utilizing this power i've you know most of us are are content to just lick the drip off the rock that's coming through the crack like, as I, opposed to just like as opposed to just moving the <laughs> moving it out of the way and tapping into the the source right and it's like but we all have access to it we're misusing our power. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I can say that I have done that. Oh, yeah. I forever. Mean. Yeah. Yes. And I'll read this final paragraph and then you can take over from okay. there. So Sai Baba, the Indian holy man, avatar, and most definitely a master alchemist says, for accomplishing any objective, two things are needed, individual effort and divine grace. The two are like the negative and positive poles of a magnet. If there's only divine grace, but no proper effort on the part of the individual, the object cannot be achieved. Although the alchemical process, individual effort, we condition consciousness to literally become the shining sun of grace. It's beautiful. I wrote in my notes when we read this the first time that we're all alchemists. Yes. Yes. We are. Yeah. Yes. This book veers away from the accepted idea of consciousness, wait, of conscious and subconscious mind and underscores the fact that while we are not all of God, God is all of us, including the mind of decision and choice and the principle of creative power. It also borrows heavily from mythology, those dimensions of mystery uniting heaven and earth the messages of truth brought forth from ancient times. And I emphasize the reality and great importance of the inner archetypes that symbolize that are symbolized by the tarot, the living energies within that were revealed thousands of years ago in ancient Egypt as aspects of God that sustain our personal realities. We will be working closely with these mighty spiritual forces as as <laughs> intermediaries Inter I'm like, <laughs> intermediaries between the visible and invisible worlds okay so 
is this book is saying that our personalities are nothing but archetypes. That's right. Which is what Young also teaches, right? So, but I've never heard it said that this personal identity, that these personalities are aspects of God that sustain our personal reality. I've never heard that either, which is such beautiful information. It's fascinating. And, and you know, just to be in the question of it and, and to dig into whether or not that's true. Well, with my teachings with and studies of the Gene Keys, right, that there's mm-hmm. 64 times three, because in the Gene Keys, you have the shadow, the gift, and the enlightened state that you're capable with each of the 64 Gene Keys, right? Okay. So those are all archetypes that we play and live into. Yes. And are we designed and imprinted with this pre-programmed stamp based on your time of birth? Like, here's your, here's your divine blueprint. <laughs> I don't know if it makes cookie that noise, <laughs> <laughs> but you're, they're not a cookie cutter because no one has the exact same chart. Well, this is true. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, or the, I mean, you could chalk that up to parents too. I mean, even people who are born of the same parents don't have the same blueprint. Right. Exactly. I just love it. Yeah. It's like the Rubik's cube of life. Totally. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Continue. Um, in addition, I delve into the astrological energies in the universal grand design. The alchemical view is that nothing beneficial and of value exists that was not created by God. Okay, now, bing, bing, bing. Wow. The alchemical view. The alchemical view. That's right. Mm. So we're just talking base. So if you're creating crap, then you're just, it's still created by God, but you're just not being very it's good at your job. divine crap. Yeah, you're just not, <laughs> you're not doing your job very just well. Kidding. Right? You're practicing or you're, you're learning. You, we are. Or, you know, and this is, I actually have started with this book. Well, we'll wait till we finish this chapter and then we'll share a fun exercise. Go ahead. Okay, continue. cool. Um, the planetary energies do intend exist as forces of God and their divine influence is to help us understand our potentials and tendencies and indicate the trend of our outer life circumstances. Mm, so that's the... That's where the gene keys the, or your or your astrological, astrological chart. chart. Yeah, yeah, it's written in the stars, so to speak. Yes. Yeah, as Ralph Waldo Waldo Emerson said, the way to mend the bad world is to create the right world. That is what we're going to do with dynamic alchemy, creating our ideal world. And quoting Emerson again, the only sin is limitation, and we are the builders of our fortune. So be prepared to enter into a new experience of recognizing and using your extraordinary powers, forgiving your limitations and building a life filled with good fortune. Dynamic alchemy will be a course of personal creative action that will yield rich dividends in life as the principles are understood and practiced. May all your hopes, wishes and dreams be realized. And so it is. And so it is. I wrote that last time. Yeah, and so it is. So that was just the introduction to the Alchemist's Handbook. And that is quite an introduction. It gives us an idea of what we're in for here. Um, I I have a feeling it's going to be a really deep dive into our creative powers. I know. So beautiful. Yeah. So anybody listening here on um, this wonderful wisdom app, which I'm so happy I found, you are welcome to come up on stage and join in the conversation if you would like. 
So we're going to jump right into chapter one. And what I love about these chapters is that they're relatively short because they're so intense and there's a lot of practice. So at the end of chapter one, we are going to give an assignment and we're all going to do it before we get together next week to join in chapter two, because I think that this question that it asks at the end really does require some contemplation and it changes. I know it changes for me as I, yeah. as I expand my view and my horizon much more. Well, and feel into it. Yeah. You know, what, what parts are shifting as even we're reading. Yes. Yes. Yeah. There's sure. power in that. Yeah. Thank you for being with us too. Just like, just checking in. It's really beautiful to be here with you. Yeah, it is. Thank you. Time is the most um, precious commodity. So yes, that's, that's exactly why I want to just make sure that we're grateful for the very grateful. Thank you. Thank you. Dynamic alchemy chapter one, the science of alchemy demonstrates that the laws of the spiritual and material world are one and the same. I'm going to read that again. The science of alchemy demonstrates that the laws of the spiritual and material world are one and the same. It is the science of the masters of wisdom that brings forth the fulfillment of material needs in cooperation with spiritual understanding. There are two basic classifications of alchemy. The first is mundane alchemy, which is the taking of a base metal purifying it, then introducing minute quantities of other compounds to liberate the energy and produce a new property, usually gold. Manley P. Hall, the renowned philosophical research, has written that the Chaldeans, Phoenicians, and Babylonians were familiar with the principles of alchemy, as were many other early Asian cultures. According to the fragmentary writings of those early people, alchemy was to them no speculative art. This form of alchemy reached its highest point in the 1400s. The second kind of alchemy is dynamic alchemy, from the Greek dynamikos, relating to energy and motion, originally called divine alchemy. This is the recognition of the unity of spirit and matter. And through certain techniques, it reverses the polarity of one's physical life on the material plane from a lower vibration to the desired quality. Again, we're going back to this vibrational, that everything is vibration. We are vibration. Everything in the universe is a vibration. Even matter is a vibration. Oh, yes. So this is really learning to master our vibrational powers. Yes. Yeah. And nothing is nothing is standing still. Nothing is still even when we are still things are still moving. Yeah, correct. The earlier science of divine alchemy began in ancient Egypt and was discovered by Hermes. Oh, my gosh. Help me with this. I don't know how we say his last name. Trismegistus. I don't know how to say his name. Hermes. We know. We all know the hermetic principles. We're just going to go hermetic principles on that. The father (laughs) of occult wisdom. The teachings of Hermes really constituted the basic principles of the art of hermetic alchemy, which contrary to general belief dealt in the mastery of mental forces rather than material elements and transmutation of one kind of mental vibration into others. Instead of changing instead of changing of one kind of metal into another. The legends of the philosopher's stone, which would turn base metal into gold, was an allegory relating to hermetic philosophy, readily understood by the students of true hermeticism. 
am I ham ham no blah, blah, blah. fat lip <laughs> anyway it is believed that Moses was also a master alchemist and borrowing from ancient teachings of Hermes he brought forth the secret doctrine of Israel Moses was an ancient name for the sun a symbol of alchemy an Egyptian Moses was initiated by the Egyptian ministries mysteries and later established a secret school for the Israelites called the tabernacle mysteries. The essence of the teachings was that all things were of one life and substance that individual being is not all of God, but God is all of individual being. Through the same power that created the universe, a person can create his or her perfect world. And let's pause wow. there for a yeah, minute because um, for me, it's easier to break things down into metaphors because first of all, it took me a long time to dissect and divorce myself from my um, very Catholic mental imprinted <laughs> ideas of what God was. Yeah. As a man with a beard in a throne with a, a big scepter who is looking down from his big cloud and judging and condemning every single person and, and punishing everything I did. Punishment. Right. Yeah. So it took a long time for me to even use the word God in the true essence of what I have come to have it mean, which is it's an energy force. It's a force of energy. It's the energy ball that is right. It's the field. It's the quantum field. And so for me, when I read the individual being is not all of God, but God is all of an individual being for me to dissect that I really took it as being a drop of the ocean yes. versus the ocean. I am a drop of the ocean, which means that the ocean is all of me, Yes. but I am not all of the ocean. So if anybody else struggles with that mental concept, that's what helped me really step into an understanding. Of well, I love how you put that, that in terms of just like allowing for the metaphor. Yeah. Yeah. It's really beautiful. Thank you. Did you want to reflect on anything else that you had? Read? Um, no, I think, I think I'm really just moved by being able to see the roots of the tree, you know? <laughs> mm. Yeah. 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 The same power that created the universe, a person can create his or her perfect world because as, as above, so, so below. below. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. After the word energy was conceived in the 300s BC, the alchemical process following basically the same axioms became more secularized in order to remove it from religious orientation. Spiritual, yes, but not related to church religion. Dynamic alchemy as the force and power of manifestation was then taught in the Greek mystery schools and later in the sacred academy in Alexandria, Egypt. Dynamic alchemy continued to flourish in secret societies and was said to be the basic doctrine of such notables as Roger Bacon, Periclesis, St. Germain, Leonardo da Vinci, Isaac Newton, Victor Hugo, and Claude Debussy all dedicated alchemists who used the power of their minds to reveal the highest reality on the physical side of life. Debussy, for example, wrote music to unite taste, touch, sight, and sound, the sensations of the material world. Although we are not of this world, let's remember that we are definitely in it as far as our physical incarnation is concerned at this point in our eternal lives. We are here to live fully as complete beings for the joy of it 
sadness and sorrow <laughs> that makes me very happy mm -hmm. sadness and sorrow conflict and chaos are not part of our divine inheritance but dynamic alchemy a form of divine materialism and woolly sanctioned by the great power ordering all things and and the great thought producing all things began fading out in mid 18 in the mid 1800s it happened with the introduction of teaching with the sated purpose of proving that there was no reality in matter, that the objective world was only an illusion, and the doctrine quickly spread in metaphysical circles. It is true that an effect is only temporary in time and space, and yet it is a symbol of the energy pattern, the changeless reality of God out of which the form or thing becomes visible. And let's remember that regardless of the elements of impertinence, spiritual supply manifests as a form or experience in this world is certainly real. I love that. Yeah, well, I mean, everybody has their own reality and we can't say that your experience of this experience is my experience of this experience. Or that your experience doesn't matter. Or that your experience doesn't matter. That's right. Or that your feelings aren't real. That's right. Or that what you love isn't real. That's right. Or what you care about isn't real. Because it's real to you. It, and it's, it's real to me. And it's it's real because you created it. That's right. Yeah, I love that. Oh, me too. So beautiful. To continue this further, if nothing really exists, why bother with life? Right. <laughs> the denial of the reality of this world severely inhabits all natural urges to express. For if there are if there is the belief that there is no real objective world, the energy of mind turned back onto itself in repression. Hmm. And when the creative power of individual being and the true teachings of Jesus are not recognized, all passion for living fades away. This let's agree that the only illusion of this world is the belief that we are less than divine and the false images of scarcity, futility and debilitation that arise from this belief are the are and are projected on the screens of life. Mm. The only illusion is that we are less than divine and the false images of scarcity, futility and debilitation that arise from this belief are projected onto the screen of life. Yeah, I've done that, that's for sure. Beautiful. Oh, it's, hmm. it's a lot. We weren't kidding. Ageless wisdom tells us that the dynamic alchemy was the essential force in bringing about a true spiritual transmutation in an individual. And the reason is that when we truly understand the law of cause and effect and the unity of energy and matter, the spiritual awakening is greatly accelerated. Think of it this way. The life of the seeker of truth can be bliss without harvest. Yet when one understands the principles of dynamic alchemy, there is fruitful ecstasy. I love that. The dynamic alchemists believed in the essential unity of the cosmos. As an ancient teaching tells us, matter is spirit at its lowest point of manifestation, and spirit is matter at its highest. 
It was also taught that spirit and matter are equal because all is God, not as a reflection of God, but God as everything in the physical universe. Later, Spinoza, the great Dutch philosopher, said that mind and matter are the same thing. And Emerson was strong in his conviction that the material world is an expression of a spiritual system, that the visible and invisible were united as one and governed by spiritual laws. Then came Einstein with the revelation that energy and mass are equal, identical, and interchangeable. With the realization of the parallel nature of science and philosophy, dynamic alchemy, which was couched primarily in the psychological terms at this point, began to reappear with its basic principles embraced by certain segments of the new thought movement. These are my favorite teachers from the early late 1800s and early 1900s. I still refer and go back to all of their teachings because they're profound. Whew. The alchemists have always known that there was a correspondence or analogy existing between things spiritual and things physical, the same laws operating in each realm. As the alchemical axiom in the is if this is is this pronounced Kabbalion? Kabbalion? I think so. The ancient compilations of basic Hermetic doctrine states it as above, so below, as below, so, <laughs> so above. above. <laughs> this is the principle of correspondence and is a universal law. The ancient Hermeticists considered this principle as one of the most important mental instruments by which man was able to pry aside the obstacles which hid from view the unknown. And it was written that through this understanding, Noah built the ark, Moses built the tabernacle, and Solomon built his temple, which brings us to this definition. Dynamic alchemy is the science of bringing about a visible form, condition, or experience by building an idealized structure in mind together with an understanding that one, the alchemical son of God, two, the spiritual forces, three, the penetrating law, four, the receptive sheath, and five, the emanation of the world mother. So we st we stopped last time there to discuss that because we I was like, are they talking about sex? <laughs> <laughs> and the answer is yes. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I love it. The visible form condition by by you have this idea that comes from the alchemical, the alchem alchemy of the sun, the spiritual forces, the penetrating law, the receiver, and then the emanation, the creation. And I'll let you continue from there if you'd like. My well, time. I was going to say, like, in that just little paragraph in the introduction, back when we were talking about on page two of the introduction, mm -hmm. the dynamic alchemy calls for us to fully understand cause and effect, mind and manifestation, energy and matter to move from what may be considered passive spirituality to positive assertion, assertiveness in the rediscovery of the ideal life. I wrote that's the embodiment of masculine penetration, like for me, mm. when I read that. And so to have it show up. <laughs> Yeah, because we need. In, we, yeah, yeah, because we we're, we are both. We are both energetically. We are both. That is true. And then being able to know when to pull in and when, you know, to when to receive and when, when, when to, to exactly when to birth. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Is is the whole jam. Yeah. Professional researcher and author Barbara G. Walker has written as a system of mysticism, alchemy 
was permeated by sexual symbols, so-called copulations and marriages figured in alchemy procedures, sexual drawings enlivened the text. The alchemical rubus was the usual bisexual image of male and female powers in union. You will see examples of this in the third and fourth alchemical steps as one phase of soul enters into a sexual affinity with another to birth the desired form or experience. At this point, we may think of Jesus instruction to not be anxious about our life, but to seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all things shall be yours as well. What is the kingdom? The alchemicalist said it was the perfect world, the domain within individual consciousness where everything spiritual and material already exists as thought forms, as symbolized by the sun in the sky and gold in the earth. The sun or true self sun, S-U-N, sees the material form, gold, as fully manifest, not to come, but existing as a present reality. To seek first the kingdom means to focus your attention on that which is already yours, a perfect world, both spiritually and materially. Seen first through the inner vision and then through the physical eyes as it is brought forth into materialization. Wow. I know. So that again agrees with quantum physics in the realm of potentiality that everything is existing in a state somewhere of all potentials waiting yeah. for you the person observing it to collapse it into what it will be by your intention and to pull it down and create into it. the world yes. yes so i love this that it's all of these potentials for us already exist all of the gold in the world already exists right it's yeah. already there it's it there. All already exists it's just a matter of having the wherewithal to keep digging. Yeah. And that, you know, going back to, I think that's a story in Napoleon Hill's book too, about the guy who stopped two feet from gold, that he kept digging and digging and digging and digging and digging and digging and, digging and, digging and then he gave up. And, and then somebody bought his equipment and just kept digging where the guy was because he's like, well, he's done he found work. It. He must be pretty close. <laughs> oh my gosh. So we're on the last paragraph already. Oh my goodness. Before we proceed with the specific steps in dynamic alchemy and discuss the links in the manifestation chain, I want you to think about the answer to this question. What kind of life in this physical material world do I really want? Ponder this question for several minutes before moving on to the next chapter. And we're going to ponder this question for the next week before moving on to the next chapter and to really break out a journal and think about that question. What kind of life in this physical material world do I really want? And you know, when I first journaled about that question, honestly, all of my answers were more about um, emotional world or spiritual world or like mm -hmm. spiritual growth or mm -hmm. uh, the invisible things but this is talking about manifesting so what kind of life in the physical material world do i really want and then what was interesting for me was that i found that around that question there was this um almost an energy of shouldn't want it oh yeah i get that yeah. i totally get that um like who am i to ask for that yeah or who am i to want that or who am i 
to say that, like to write that down on the paper. To have the audacity to the, write not that Not the audacity. Want... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some audacity to, to want that in the world. Oh. But if all potentialities, if all the gold is already there, it's just waiting to be to Brought be claimed to and lived into. Yes. Right? It's yes. about living into it. Living into it. So Well, we get to do our part in order to have the to to have it. And because like this chapter did, it said, and I love that so much that what we create in this world does matter and it is real to us. Yes. And to say that it doesn't matter. And, you know, a good friend of mine once said to me once, and I said, when I said money doesn't matter, and she said, only people who have money say money doesn't matter. That's right. And that's true. I yeah. mean, if you've ever grown up poor. Which I have. Yeah. 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 So that I think that that gave me that attitude, though, that um, you don't need money to be happy. You don't. But I've never seen a miserable person on a jet ski. Well, there's that. <laughs> and, and you know, money can't make you happy. No, it cannot no, make you happy. Happiness is a choice. Yes, happiness and No matter if inside. you live in a hut. And I mean, I've seen it because I've lived in various parts of the world. Yes. Yeah. And some, in some parts of the world, they don't care if they have any money or not. Right. As long as they have what they need. Yeah. So this is really too like what kind of life on this physical material world do I really want? And for some people that might be something very simple. Yeah. Experience. Like what's the experience? experiences? Yeah. Yeah, the experiences I want to create. So that's the challenge or not the challenge, but for you guys, everybody listening who wants to join in for week 2, same place, same time next Monday night at 6 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. We'll go into chapter, chapter two, 2, which is see the ultimate in life. And it's a very short chapter, and it's just, it's got a lot of questions in it, though, to contemplate. So yes, it's juicy. It is juicy. We can dive into, well, should we just do it now? No. Wait till next week? Yeah, why don't we do two and three next week? Okay. So that's the challenge this week, is just to contemplate what kind of life in this physical material world do I really want, knowing that everything that you can possibly want for yourself already exists, and then some. Plus, plus, plus. Plus, plus, plus. And my ideas around manifestation and money have shifted too because it really did occur to me that money is just a, um, a completely neutral, nothing energy on its own. Right? It's, we're, we're the we ones that assign money. the meaning. We assign the yes, meaning. Yes, we so do. To all of it. Spiritual people, spiritually minded people ought to become wealthy because we do, good people do good things with money. Oh, yeah. Contribute, give back, expand it. Care, support. Growth. Right, exactly. That's right. So it's not about, you know, it's not this energy of greed, but really from an open hearted, giving, open mind, giving, highest self. <laughs> what wild, audaciously beautiful life can you conceive that you want to live in this physical, material world? All right. Yeah, sounds really good. Beautiful. Feels really good. Yeah, thank you guys so much for joining us. And for my very first ever um, episode here on this Wisdom app, which I really love. My friend said it's way better than Clubhouse, and she was not lying. It's kind of cool. So thank you guys. Many blessings. Light ahead. And we'll both be back next week. Thank you. Good night. You've been listening to The Powerful Creator Show. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Thank you.